Let's pray. Father, it's so easy just to uh, get the job done, uh, just to uh, go through the motions, say all the right things uh, with just the right words. But Lord, you, you see our heart. Lord, uh, we come this morning uh, praying to you from our hearts. Uh, Lord, we worship you, not only with our lips, but with our lives. And uh, Lord, we're, we're a needy people. Uh, we're prone to, uh, to wander, to leave the God we love. Lord, and so we need you this morning. We need the power of your Holy Spirit moving and working in our midst. And Lord, to uh, convict us of sin where we need to repent. Uh, Lord, where we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that we would truly be humbled before you, understanding really what grace is, is all about. And uh, so, Father, uh, we uh, just thank you. And, and thank you, Lord, for the salvation, the great salvation we have in Christ and for your abundant grace and the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin. And Lord, we know that it's all about, uh, it's all about our wonderful Lord and Savior. And we come in his precious name this morning, uh, knowing that without you we can do absolutely nothing. That you are the great I Am, uh, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, you're our Lord and we worship you. We worship you, O Lord, because you are worthy, O Lord, to be worshipped. You're high and lifted up. As the heavens are from the earth, you are so exalted, O Lord. And we, in our uh, feeble way, just bring praise and glory uh, to you, O Lord. Father, we lift up to the, uh, the needs that uh, we have and for uh, Stan Winsel in the hospital. and Lord, we, we pray for his healing and also for um, Dan's family and the loss that they have and just comfort their hearts. Also, we pray for uh, Frank Phillips with leukemia and Lord, we ask for healing um, for Sue Robinson and also complete healing uh, of her and just encourage her and strengthen her. Lord, may she know your peace that passes all understanding. And I pray, Lord, for Deborah and Greg and the kids as they travel. Uh, just bless them and watch over them and uh, use them in ministry. Uh, but Lord, uh, we thank you for them and this time they'll have together and for, uh, for uh, Craig and Nicole as, as uh, they're going to Canada. And Lord, give them traveling mercies. Also, Lord, for Melanie, continue to comfort her and to strengthen her and Lord, that this cancer uh, would be gone. That's our prayer, O oh Lord that she would be completely healed of this. 
Lord, I thank you for the camp that uh, Andrew had a part in. Just continue to work in the lives of those uh, young people who were there. Also for Dr. Brown's house and uh, that it would be rented by just the right person that you have. And uh, Lord, we also lift up Lisa, uh, who also has cancer, and Steve and Pam. And Steve, who is going through treatments uh, beginning tomorrow. And Lord, we, we just, every time we turn around, there's, there's uh, another cancer patient. And, and Father, I pray that you would have mercy upon uh, our nation and the world, that you would uh, bring a, uh, uh, an end to cancer, that there might be a, a treatment that's discovered uh, a common denominator, Lord. Uh, and so, Lord, just uh, lead, guide, and direct. As, as you have been merciful in the past and all that we have in, in modern medicine. And so, God, we just lift these things to you and our country as well, oh God. Have mercy on our nation and bring a great revival in our day. Uh, turn hearts to you, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, in 2 Timothy, this is the, the last time we'll be uh, looking at this book in particular, although from time to time, as I do with Scripture, we'll refer back to it. Uh, in verses 9 through 22, there could have had several messages in these last verses, but I just combined them to make one. But these are Paul's practical lessons uh, from his closing remarks. You know, a lot of times uh, we can take closing remarks or introductions kind of lightly and let's get into the meat of the matter. And yet there's a lot of meat even in these closing uh, remarks from, from Paul. Let's look uh, just a, a chapter by chapter re- review, uh, not a long review, but uh, in chapter one we saw that Paul tells Timothy to guard the gospel, to guard the gospel. Uh, Hold on to sound doctrine. In chapter 2, Paul told Timothy to teach sound doctrine uh, to faithful men who in turn would teach faithful men. And uh, and that's so important for us today to remember. In chapter 3, he told Timothy to continue in sound doctrine. And uh, continue in what he had learned as a child from his mother and his grandmother. And also, in chapter 4, to preach sound doctrine. We need to be preaching sound doctrine. Uh, We need to be teaching and preaching the truth of what the scriptures really say about what salvation is and how we can be saved by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so... Uh, we need to do this without apology or hesitation. We looked at that. But uh, now we come to the close, and we see, I think here, the heart of Paul, uh, uh, the personal part of Paul. Uh, And Paul, even though he was an apostle, has needs. Just like even though I'm a pastor, I have personal needs. 
He was a man like we are. And he had hurts, he had feelings, he had weaknesses, he had strengths, but he was a sinner like you and I, saved by the grace of God alone. And uh, Paul understood what it was to be saved by grace. And he got the, a rude awakening on the, the Damascus Road, as you know. And when God, uh, Christ revealed himself to him. And uh, we all need friends. Do we not? Yeah. We need friends. Uh, and so let's read uh, chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 9 to the end of the chapter. Paul says, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak, which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed or attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Manessephorus Erastus remained at Corinth but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus make every effort to come before winter Eubulus greets you and Pudens and Minus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Wow. Did you see how he ended this? Grace. Grace be with you. And we're going to look at that at the very, very end here. But anyway, Paul mentions a lot of people here. Not only that, he mentions them by name. He doesn't say, well, this, this guy did this, but I'm not going to mention his name. No, he mentions his name. Matter of fact, it's a name, uh, this particular evil man, millions have read about him. It's amazing, isn't it? How would you like to have that epithet? Uh, uh, not a very good one. But uh, he was going through trials and tribulations, and he needed friendship like we all do whether it's a spouse or some close friend if we're single. But we all need friends. And Paul needed friends as well. Remember, a friend sticks closer than a brother. And, uh, of course, it's sad they deserted him. Yet there were 
uh, those that were with him at the end, but just like Jesus, he was forsaken. And beloved, that will happen to you as well. Men will fail you. Jesus will never fail you. And that's what Paul is saying here. There's one who stayed with me, strengthened me. His name is Jesus. He is all we need. So we don't need any other friend. We do, and we love friendship, but he is the friend of friends and the one who uh, loves at all times. Because Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Jesus is the friend of sinners, and he loves us at all times. Think of that. Let that just kind of sink deeply within your soul. We sang that, and it's amazing how, again, the songs that we pick out really fit. Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so uh, I love that song, even though it's, it's made for children. I am one. <laughs> amen? amen? Unless you become as a little child, you won't enter the kingdom of God, so you better say amen to that one. And so Paul just pours out his heart here. Paul looks at one who had forsaken him. And it's sad here in verse 10, and I have a whole sermon just on Demas, but I didn't feel led to do that uh, this morning. But it says sadly that, that Demas, who was with Paul uh, at times, other times in the scripture mentioned, but it says that he has forsaken me having loved this present world. The love there is the highest form of love, agape. Paul is saying, Demas made the world his God. He was with me, and yet he went out from me because he was never part of me. Now, that's what I hold to. Now, there's others that said, no, no, he just, well, we really don't know whether he just uh, backslid, as they call it, uh, whether he came back or not. We're not told that, but Paul says with a broken heart, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Let me ask you, what's first in your life? What is first? Better yet, who is first in your life? Jesus better be first. He better be first in your life. Uh, and is love of the world a real problem? I think so. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If any man loves the world, and that's agape, and that's what he was telling uh, uh, about Demas, the love of the Father is not in him. Pretty strong words, I'd say. So we need to take that to heart. And uh, <clears throat> it's sad to, to see that. And uh, he... He says also here, uh, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica and so forth. And he says, pick up, Luke is with me, pick up Mark and bring him with you. Uh, we see another thing here about Paul. He had a forgiving heart because 
Mark, John Mark, had forsaken him at one point, and he could have just written him off and said, that's it, uh, no more John Mark, and yet he said, no, bring him. We find that in Acts 15, 36 through 41, talking about John Mark. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But, uh, but Paul chose Silas and left, being committed uh, by the brethren to the grace of God. So anyway, Paul realizes that Mark is genuine. And so he has a love for Mark. And we should. We should be open to those who, when they hurt us, and to receive them back again, forgiving them for what they have done, receiving them, accepting them, loving them. This is what Paul does. He shows that he really loved people. He really loved people. And, uh, and so he's, he's telling us here his love for Mark. Also, he also talks about here someone who was his enemy in verses 14 and 15. This is Alexander the metal worker. And uh, it's interesting that he takes two verses. He says more about Alexander the coppersmith than he does about any of these other people. And I think there's a reason for that. And that is we need to be pointing out evil men. We're not to be afraid to say that is an evil person. And call them by name. Stay away from them. Watch out for them. Their doctrine is false. It's so important that uh, uh, we look and notice who is evil in this world and, and, and not being afraid to, uh, to stand up to these people. And notice what he says here. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard. And then he warns Timothy. Be on guard against him yourself. He opposes our teaching. And so his actions did much evil, it says, against Paul. Um, for some reason, he had a personal hostility towards Paul, probably because of what he believed, the truth that he preached, that he did not agree with it. And so he was probably at the trial and spoke against Paul, brought up false accusations against Paul, and uh, he may have been a, a renegade Christian with uh, uh, an agenda. And sad to say that happens. And it says he uh, opposed our words, our message, uh, what we're teaching. He opposed that. And so we need to be aware that there are those out there that oppose what we're doing. 
don't be, a, don't be shocked when somebody says, I don't agree with you on that. Because there will be. There will be those who do not believe that salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone, is the truth. And they will argue and uh, get mad even at uh, uh, your doc- doctrine that you're... Uh, but it says, how did Paul handle this man and his evil ways? Did you notice that in verse 14, what he did with this man? And boy, what a lesson this is. Because these are practical lessons from Paul, I think. He's putting into practice what he's been telling uh, every, uh, Timothy to do. He says that he put him in the Lord's hand. And he says the Lord will give back to him what he has done. No revenge. No hatred. He's not consumed with Alexander and getting him back. No, what does he do? He places him in the Lord's hands. Did you know that's hard to do? To give someone to the Lord and then love them afterwards and care for them and pray for them after it happens. It might be in business. Somebody's cheated you. Owes you money. Have you let that go? I mean, really let it go to where it doesn't bother you anymore because you've let it go. See, that's only done by the grace of God. Maybe you've been hurt in a marriage. Deeply hurt by the way you were treated. This is what he's talking about. We need to learn to let it go. I've been hurt in the past and I had, after years of holding on to it, I had to learn I needed to let it go. And when I did, it was gone. When I confessed it, when I confessed my sin of holding on to it and uh, almost living on that anger because it would make me feel good because I'm not like them and because I'm a good person. or whatever. But when I really said, Lord, take this away, I can't deal with this anymore. You know what he did? He took it away. And now it's gone. That's a miracle, by the way. That is the grace of God working in you to love people who are your enemies. Well, I just can't ever forgive them. They did so. I'll never, never, ever, never, ever. Whoa, you better be careful. Because that can be coming out of an unbelieving heart. And the way you judge them is the way you're going to be judged, the Bible says. Jesus said that. And so he let it go. Romans 12, which we went through says in verse 19, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. They're not going to get away with it. There will be vengeance. And you know what? That ought to break your heart and to pray for them. Because one day there will be a day of reckoning when everything will be brought to bear we're standing before God. They're not getting away with it. But you can let it go. What are you doing when you let it go? You're believing that vengeance is the Lord's. 
He will repay. See, you're believing that, and believing that changes you because you believe it. Does that make sense? I think it should. But uh, those are to, to the people that hurt us. And we need to learn, as Paul did, to let it go. First uh, Peter 2.23 And while being reviled, this is speaking of, uh, about Jesus, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. There will be a day of reckoning, is what he's saying. And Jesus did that to those that hated him. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Don't let it eat your lunch because it will eat your lunch if you hold on to these things. Uh, Put them in God's hands. And also remember, it's sad to say, Alexander was not only an enemy of Paul, He was an enemy of God. So sad. So Paul warns Timothy in verse 15, be on your guard. Be on your guard. And he names this man's name, Alexander. He doesn't say, now this guy, and I'm not going to say his name, uh, did evil. No, he names him. We need to be naming those who are evil. Years ago, Armstrong uh, had the uh, uh, plain truth, he called it. Well, there was nothing truthful about anything that he wrote. Also, there was a a William Barclay who was a commentator, had commentaries on the New Testament and so forth. This man did not believe in the deity of Christ. He did not believe in the atonement. And yet many were studying his commentaries and so forth. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we need to label poison where it's poison. You know the old meta we used to dig old bottles downtown and and uh, they were it was really fun doing that. You know, even back as far as the eighteen early eighteen hundreds in Mobile. But you would occasionally dig up a bottle and you'd reach down in the hole and you'd feel and say, oh, this is a poison bottle. How would you know that? Because it had dots. It had bumps on it. Why did it have bumps on it? Because at night when you were half asleep reaching up into your medicine cabinet, you could feel it and you'd say, oh, this is not my medicine. This is poison. Now, why you would have it in a medicine cabinet, I don't know. <laughs> But nonetheless, there's poison out there. And you don't take it. You leave it alone. And so Paul is warning Timothy against this man. So it's okay to label poison. And uh, verses 16 and 17. So what does Paul do? Who does Paul look to Because everybody else has what? Forsaken him. There may come a day when you have no friends. You may feel that way now. I hope not because you have one here. But you may feel that someday. That that nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out and eat worms. 
Have you ever said that? I've said that. You know, that was an old saying. But there is one who does love you. His name is Jesus. The name above every name. His name is Jesus. And this is who Paul looked to. He says that the Lord had stood by him to give him strength. Wow. Did you know that the, the Christian sheep is never alone? Joshua, interesting enough, and we really read the whole chapter, but he says in Joshua 1.5, no man will be able to stand before you, God says to him, all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, I will not fail you or forsake you. Amen. That's true about you. That's true about you. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Clear teaching in the scripture. Also, Hebrews 13.5, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Boy, there's a mouthful. For he himself has said, and by the way, we read that this morning, did we not? Scripture, and we did not get together to do that. So I tell you, let God work. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Nothing. Because God is with you. God was with Paul here. And uh, he gave him the strength. What did Paul do in court when he went before whoever it was, the magistrate or the judge or whoever it was, what did Paul do? He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel so that the Gentiles could hear. The gospel needs to be our focus as well. Preaching the good news of God's word to people. That's what they need and that's what Paul was doing here. He was taking an opportunity and I mean, you know, you're... Your life is in their hands and you're standing before them and you could have said, you know, I repent of everything that I've ever said and, and uh, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do and, and, you know, whatever, just don't kill me. Let me go. I'm done with this. But he didn't. He preached the gospel. And what happened to him? He got his head cut off. Now, I don't think we have to worry about that right now. But when you witness to some people, they will cut your head off. Not literally, but uh, in, a, in a spiritual way, they will chop you up in pieces. And you know that if you've witnessed to people who are uh, atheists or, or angry at God, they don't want to hear it. And then he says he was helped in the past. He knew that God was going to help him in the future. He says, I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Not a real lion, I don't think. And the reason I, th I, I believe this is that Roman citizens were not fed to lions. And so he says, what is the lion here? It may, it's probably Satan, although you can't be sure here. But probably Satan and maybe even Nero himself 
But Paul knew what God did for him in the past uh, gave him assurance for the future. He, know, he knows that. Verse 18, what God did for him in the past gave him assurance for the future. How will Paul be delivered? You say, well, he wasn't delivered. Yes, he was. You see, because he has a new destination. They can kill your body, but they can't kill your soul. You better fear the one who can take your soul, not the one who just takes the body, like what happened to Paul. It took his body, but didn't take his soul. Wow. Romans 8, 38 through 39. See, death is not something to fear. Death is something to look forward to. You go, what? Yes, death for the Christian, we're looking forward to that day. And I hope Jesus comes before that happens. But we, like Paul, can see that there is something much better out there than this life. And I've said before, if we knew how wonderful heaven was, we wouldn't take such good care of ourselves. And uh, uh, not that life isn't precious and we should take care of ourselves because we should, but there's not going to be no comparison. And what did Paul say in Romans? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what a powerful statement. Not even death. Don't have to fear death. Look forward to death. I wish I was 90 years old. I'd be real close to, of course, we may be close. I could die uh, preaching right now. But uh, no, the death is something, he says, why? Because his destination, it says here, was what? A heavenly kingdom. He will be rescued. Somebody, I found this, this is really a good, uh, something to think about. Someone says, it is better to be in danger for a moment and safe for eternity than safe for a moment and in danger for eternity. Wow. That's so true. If you protect your life at the cost of denying Christianity and denying Christ, your eternity will be lost. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Live for Christ. The Lord is going to bring Paul to heaven when? When he dies. When he dies. And I think there's many scriptures, not uh, many, but some scriptures that point to this. Uh, When we die, maybe we're transported by angels. I don't really care. All I know is uh, we will be in, in God's presence, not yet in body, but in spirit. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It came from Jesus. That's pretty good uh, authority. Also, we find in scriptures, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 
Paul says, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body. See, death. Nothing wrong with that. And to be at home with the Lord. When you die, you're at home with the Lord. Philippians 1.23, For I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part and be with Christ, for that is very much better. To be with Christ. When you die, when you depart, you're going to be with Christ if you know him, if you're uh, his child. What does all of this cause Paul to do? Did you see that? What does it cause Paul to do? Very interesting. Into verse 18, what does he say? To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory. He realizes what he's facing right now, having his head chopped off. And he says, to him be the glory forever and ever. Wow. I hope I will be that courageous one day uh, when I am facing death to say to God be the glory forever and ever and ever. Wow. He is going to bring Paul to heaven now. Wow. What is the difference of praising him here and in heaven? We can say today, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But what's different about that here than when we get to heaven? Because in heaven, we'll do it perfectly. We'll understand perfectly what all that's about. There will no longer be any hindrances. There will no longer be any doubt. Because we'll be in his presence. And we'll sing forever and ever praises to him. Those who deserved the wrath of God who are now in his presence forever and ever and ever by grace. Think of that. Let that really sink in. That God chose you before the foundation of the world. You and me. Sid Phillips, who grew up and was rebellious and hateful and mean to his brother and others, had mercy on me. Whoa. Let that sink in and grab your heart. I tell you, you'll be humbled and you'll tear up and maybe even cry over it to praise God even more because you had nothing to do with it. To Him be the glory forever and ever. He doesn't say, to the glory be God and Paul because I saw it. I was No, he was kicking and screaming and killing Christians. And God had mercy on him. And he has mercy on us in the same way. Wow, what a great God. What a great God. And he mentions here these other people. And I won't take long in, in speaking to that. 
But one I want to look at in particular is uh, Trophimus. In verse 20, he says, Erastus remained in Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Did you notice it says here, Paul left him sick? Well, I thought Paul could heal. He could. So why does he leave Trophimus sick? Boy, it kind of shoots hole in that God wants you to be well all the time, doesn't it? Because he leaves him sick. Why? Because evidently that was the will of God. It doesn't say that he didn't pray for his healing, just like Paul prayed that his, his uh, thorn in the flesh would be removed, and God says, no, my grace is sufficient. So he says he left him sick at... Uh, God does not intend for all Christians to be well. Did you hear what I said? God does not intend all Christians to be well. Great godly men, great preachers have died at early ages. And you'll say, well, why? Why didn't God just use them to their 95 or 110? And because he's in charge. Because he's in charge. He told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. He didn't say, all right, Timothy, you're healed. No more pain, no more suffering. No, take a little wine, he says, for your stomach's sake. So what do we do then with sickness? What do we do then with sickness? We give it in God's hands. We say, your will be done. Because if God wants me, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be here if God wants me there. I'm not saying don't pray for me to be healed. Because that's what we're told to do. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And it talks about laying on of hands for healing. And we should be, be doing that. But at the same time, we can't demand from God what he's to do. Not my will, but your will be done. Because if you could pray and people would be healed, no one would ever die. They could be on their deathbed. You could just raise them up and they live. No. Because all of our days are numbered. The very hairs of our head are all numbered. And we're in God's hand. And that's where we want to be. For his will, not our will to be done. So this man was uh, left in sickness. What do you do with all of these other names? Some of them we don't know anything about other than they're mentioned right here. This one guy uh, that's mentioned here. Putin's. How'd you like the name of Pudens? Maybe I shouldn't say that because somebody listening to this tape may be named Pudens. Who in the world is Pudens? I don't know. I don't know what he did. I don't know anything about him. But God does. See, God does. Wasn't a famous person, but God knows his name. God knows your name. He knows everything about you. All your days are appointed and numbered. He has you in his hand. 
both to will and to do of his good purpose. Are we praying, God, use me. Use me while I'm here. And then he says here, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. He tells Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit, Timothy. And we need to pray that for each other, by the way. But then he says, grace be to you. In the Greek, the you there is plural. So he said, all Christians, grace be to everyone who's reading this letter. That's us. How are we to live? By grace. Every day. When you're saved, grace doesn't end there. Grace every day. Moment by moment, we live by the grace of God through faith. Every day. And we need to say to other people as well, grace be with you. And that's my prayer this morning, that the grace of God be with you and that you would know his love, you would know for sure that you're his child, that you would trust Christ in Christ alone, and that you would be looking forward to being with him. Let's pray. Father, this morning... We thank you for these encouraging words from Paul, how he mentions all these people, not only his friends, but those who had forsaken him, those who had even done evil to him. Lord, may we see that this is a battle and that uh, the war is raging and that there is an enemy who is out to destroy us and defeat us. And yet, Lord, we're victorious in Christ. The victory is ours. We have won the war. Lord, may we stand up as Paul stood up against evil in his day. God, give us grace every day to live the Christian life. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, let's stand and